you to think through this morning. What is something that you are proud of? What is something in your life that brings a smile to your face? You're so proud of that person or that thing. I see a lot of proud Ohio State fans here today after what happened last night. You're probably very proud of your team. If you saw Ryan Day after the game, he was very proud of his team. What are you proud of? Maybe you're proud of a kid or a grandkid's accomplishments. This week, uh, my daughters, who are in kindergarten and first grade, uh, came home with some accomplishments that my wife and I were proud of them. Uh, My daughter, who's in kindergarten, made the alphabet club. And then my other daughter, she got all of her spelling words right. And a lot of times on the fridge, which you probably do as well, we post those kinds of things that we're proud of, of our kids. What are you proud of? Maybe you run a business and someone gave you an award from uh, your community efforts in making this, your business the best in the community and for the community. Maybe you're proud of that. Some of you are very meticulous and proud of your lawn because it is perfect. <laughs> Maybe you're proud of that. There's so many things in our lives that we think, man, we're really happy about these things. We're proud of these things. They make us feel good about ourselves. And that's a good form of pride. But there's a bad form of pride. There's a bad form of pride that's literally killing us. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to continue to kill us from the inside out, kill our relationship with others, and most importantly, kill our relationship with God. Uh, We kicked off a brand new message series last week called The Wisdom Literature, looking at different books of the Bible and the Old Testament that talk about wisdom, and we really want to camp out over the next seven weeks on Proverbs, looking at the seven deadly sins. Now, these aren't pronounced in the Bible, so you're not going to see these called the seven deadly sins in the scriptures. But over time, theologians have seen the pattern of these seven things in the scriptures and in our lives that become deadly to our souls if we don't root it out of our lives. And so we want to look at these seven things with the lens of Proverbs to understand how we can rid these things in our lives once and for all. And for all the good pride that we have in ourselves and other people is as bad as the bad pride is. And I want to take you to Proverbs chapter 6 to tell you about what this pride looks like. Here's what Solomon says. There are six things the Lord hates. Actually, no, seven things. Seven things that he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Out of all the things that Paul, or excuse me, Paul, uh, Solomon could list here, he lists haughty eyes as the first. The first that God detests, that he hates. Now that word haughty literally means to be high or exalted. Or another word for haughtiness is that word pride. It's to put yourself up here and look down on other people. It's to put yourself in the place of God and don't have an opportunity to see who God really is in your lives because you're too busy being God. And like I said, of all the things that Solomon lists here, I mean, he talks about murder, he talks about plotting evil, he talks about someone who ruins their family. Of all the things, the seven things God hates the most, the first one on our list 
is pride. We read this in Proverbs 16, verse 5. The Lord detests the proud. They surely will be punished. The Lord hates those who are prideful, those who put themselves up here and look down on people, those who put themselves in the place of God. God literally hates those kinds of people. And not only, and we, let me pause here and just say, a lot of times we talk about God loves us, and he does, right? Of course. But he also hates certain things. One of the things he hates the most is pride. And he doesn't just hate it. He asks those of us who are godly to hate pride as well. We read in Proverbs 8.13, All who fear the Lord should hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, perverse speech. He's saying those who follow me, those who fear me, should also hate it as much as I hate it. But if we're honest, we don't usually hate our pride. In fact, I heard a quote one time that makes me laugh. I've heard that everybody else has pride, except me. Everybody has the disease of pride except me. We all think those things. You can spot pride in somebody. Someone that looks down on people. Someone who acts like God. Someone who thinks they're better than them. You can spot people like that. And we hopefully detest that kind of behavior because that behavior ruins relationships. That kind of behavior ruins our lives when we're around it. But when it comes to us, And when it comes to our pride, we don't hate it. We justify it. We say reasons why we do those kinds of things. But if we're not careful and we don't root it out of us, it will ruin us. It will ruin relationships and it will ruin our relationship with God. For pride is at the center of all of the evil things that we do. If you look at the scriptures, pride made its first appearance even before humanity was born. We see Lucifer, who was this beautiful angel, thought, you know what, God, I think I can do a better job of you, and tries to provoke provoke a mutiny against God, and God casts him down because he's like, look, you're not me, and he ends up judging Satan, brings him to this earth, and then he takes the form of what? A snake, and he goes and tempts those of us who may not understand what pride really is. Because Adam and Eve didn't know they were prideful. They didn't think they were capable of anything bad until the enemy tempted him and said, hey, Adam, Eve, God's doing a good job, but you can do a better job. And they're like, yeah, we can. And then they take a bite of the apple and things change forever. And now that pride courses through humanity, courses through our hearts where we think we're better than people and we think we're God. And it's ruining so many things in our lives. One of the most famous uh, proverbs on pride is Proverbs 16:18. It says pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. In other words, if you're not careful, the more prideful you are, the more that you put yourself up here, the harder you're eventually going to fall. You guys ever heard of a small business years ago called Blockbuster? I used to love going to Blockbuster and renting movies. Uh, There's only three left in the whole country. Did you know in 2000, Netflix, this small little company called Netflix, 
approached Blockbuster and said, look, we want you to acquire us for $40 million. You know how much Netflix is worth now? <laughs> Way more than $40 million. And Netflix pitches Blockbuster and the CEO and the company of Blockbuster and says, look, this is the next big thing. Now, this is in 2000, okay? They couldn't see it. Netflix could see it. Like, look, you can acquire us and we're going to give you everything that comes with us. And the CEO of Blockbuster laughed the CEO of Netflix out of his office. And now, Netflix is worth billions upon billions, and there are only three Blockbusters left. Blockbuster thought they were untouchable. They thought even though things were moving this way, it wouldn't touch their business, and their fall was great. Yesterday, we played flag football here as part of our men's ministry, kids, students, and adults. And we had such a great time, just an incredible time of fellowship and bonding. And this past week, uh, I run into Pastor Jeff. If you know Pastor Jeff, he has no energy at all, of course. And he comes up to me, and this is the exact words, okay? I'm going to try to become Jeff. Hold on a second. Brother, listen. I need you to play on a football team this week. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> he goes, I need somebody on my team. We need to fill the team. Brother, would you just consider it? And I thought about it. I thought, okay, look, I didn't have my moment in high school. I didn't play under the lights. When I go back out in the backyard with my, four, my, my uh, fifth grader and third grader, I'm dominating them, you know. And so I probably should play. So we go out yesterday. And I'm looking at the adult teams because, you know, there's, there's a trophy on the line, and I wouldn't mind having that trophy. If I had it, it'd be sitting here. I don't have it, so let me tell you why. And I'm measuring up the teams, and there's this one team I'm watching. I'm thinking to myself, these guys are really, really ripped and really, really young. One of the guys who has more muscles than I even knew were possible on a human being literally had a protein powder shirt on company. And that was the first team we had to play. All of these guys, except for two, were about 19 or 20. The youngest guy in our team was 31. Our oldest was about 57, okay? All of a sudden, we go out there, we get the ball first, and I'm the quarterback. I'm going to tell you, I started slinging that ball. I mean, I literally thought to myself, because the Browns quarterback isn't doing too out now, I thought, if I get the call on Sunday, I'm not going to be able to preach. I think I'm going to have to go, even if they want to try out, you know, I, whatever the Lord wants me to do. And so I'm going out, then I'm slinging, and then I throw a, just a bullet. Guy catches in the end zone. We get the two-point conversion, and I'm on cloud nine. And I'm like, what's up, protein powder boy? You want some of this? And now I'm ready to go. Then they start coming down the field, and now they're coming quickly. We had to throw like 15 passes to get touched on. They threw like two. They get a score, but I'm still feeling confident, and then they have to go for two. The guy gets the ball. He's going for two. I'm in the corner. I try to get his flags. He doesn't see me. He turns around, and then he sees me, and he puts his forearm right into my face. My glasses go flying. Blood starts pouring out of my nose. I have it all over my shoes, all over my arms, everywhere. 
By the way, the guy cut his arm on my sunglasses. Thank you very much. It made me feel a little bit better. I'm woozily going over to the nurse that's there, and I said, hey, is it broken? She looked at me, no, it's not broken. I went out there, and I you know, went back, and we won some games and ended up losing the championship to these uh, PED teams. But all that to say is I felt so good about myself. And then all of a sudden, I got so confident, and then, man, my fall was hard. And there's many of you right now who feel really good about yourselves because you've put yourself up here. But if you're not careful, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be like Blockbuster, who was one of the greatest companies that all of us used to visit. And now we never have heard of them in 20 years. You can be confident in yourself, but if you're overconfident, get ready. That's why this morning I want you to remember this line. Because if you don't. You could be like me, starting feeling really good and then bloody, disoriented, and not sure what in the world just happened. And it happens so quickly. Do not let pride become your pitfall. Do not let pride take you down. And remember, it's a disease that everybody else has. Of course, you don't. But if you don't get that under control, you will find yourself in a place that's really, really hard to come back from. Here's a couple pitfalls that Proverbs tells us and a couple other pieces of wisdom literature that I want you to think through this morning. Here's the first one. Pride will keep us from seeking and seeing God. The psalmist, actually, in the wisdom literature that he writes, puts it this way. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think God is dead. A lot of times when we're trying to show someone that God is real, you're giving them illustrations and examples. And for you, of course, it's real. You've humbled yourself before God. You've seen what Christ has done for you. It's so obvious that God is real. But for someone who is prideful and they can't see beyond themselves, only they can see themselves, they not only don't think there is a God, they don't want there to be a God because they've lived their entire lives thinking, I am God. And so he is dead. Not because he's really dead, but he's dead because he never gives that person a chance to really see that he's alive. God is there the whole time, but when we don't look out for him because of our pride, because we're in the position of God, you'll never see him. You'll never have that relationship with him if you think you are him. C.S. Lewis puts it so brilliantly. He says, as long as you are proud, you cannot see God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Think about that. How practical. If I'm looking down and can't see you, can't see God. If you're looking down on people and you're looking down on God, don't be surprised when you reach out to God because you need something from him, he doesn't reach back. Because really you're going to God for you. It's still about you. It's not about the relationship with God. It's not communion with God. It's not receiving from him so you can live the blessed life he wants you to. You just go to God because, man, I just need something from you, God. I'm going to live my own way anyways. God does not and cannot have a relationship with someone's life that is marked with pride. In fact, it's James who tells us this. It's God who opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you're proud, God has stiff-armed you. He can't have a relationship with you. He cannot relate with you. You are on a whole different playing field 
than God right now because you have lived your life as if you are him and he can't have a relationship with somebody like that. So God may be dead in your eyes, though he's alive in everyone else's eyes because you've never given him an opportunity to be God because you've been him the whole time. Don't let this become your pitfall. Pitfall. This loving God wants this relationship with you. And if you keep doing this to him, he will say, that's fine, but I'll keep doing this to you until finally you humble yourself and you come to me as if you ought. The second way pitfall, will keep, the pride will keep us from the life that God wants is that it keeps us from seeing ourselves for who we really are. Here's two verses to really help us think through that. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. Similarly, in Proverbs 14, there is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. Both of these talk about how all of us can see ourselves in such a way that we think we are right, we have all the answers, everybody else is wrong, God is wrong, and we walk around as if we, again, are the God of this universe. We call the shots, it's our way, we do whatever we want, and we think we're always right because we haven't allowed God to examine our hearts and because we haven't really faced destruction quite yet. Something that was captivated by in June was a submersible that was going down to look at the Titanic. You probably remember that story a few months ago, Stockholm Rush. He and four other people were in this little submersible and they were going down to view the Titanic, and of course, the submersible ended up imploding and never came back, killing five people. What a tragedy that was. Once I heard that there may be knocking from the submersible, I couldn't stop watching. I couldn't stop praying, God, please bring that back to the surface. Save these people. What happened? And you know what happened? Stockholm rush happened. He got in his own way. It was in 2018, someone in his company ended up becoming a whistleblower and saying what he is doing with these submissibles are, are, are not safe. And you know what Stockholm Rush did when that person went up against him? He fired him. And then he brought on a lawsuit against that person. Because in his eyes, he was right. All he could see was his perspective. All he could see is what he wanted to do. And that same year, 38 different people who were known in that kind of community wrote a letter saying this person should not be able to take passengers because it's going to end in catastrophe. And you know what Stockholm Rush's response to was that? He said he's tired of safety getting in the way of innovation. And then five short years later, he took this submersible when everyone said you shouldn't and he never came back. You couldn't tell him he was wrong. He was right in his own eyes until finally he realized he wasn't. But when he found out, it was too late. Not only did five people not come back, but how many more people now are grieving the loss of their family members and close friends because of someone's own pride? There are some of you in this room who you think you know it all but you have such a poorly accurate view of who you really are. You may think you know it all, and you may be getting away with it right now, but there's gonna come a time 
where the Lord steps in and stops you from how you're hurting yourself and others, or you're going to take such a great fall that you won't be able to come back. And I'm not trying to say this to scare you. I'm trying to tell you because this is true. Think about all the people, maybe celebrities or famous people, or even in your own lives, maybe yourself, that they all thought they were right until one day they weren't. It's a pitfall that some of us find ourselves in right now that we need God to get us out of. Pitfall number three is this. Pride will keep us from seeing others for who they really are. We read in Proverbs 30, 12 through 13, they are pure in their own eyes, but really, they are filthy and unwashed. And then I love this part. They look proudly around, casting disdainful glances. There are people, again, who just think they are better than anybody else. They think their way of looking at politics, religion, culture, everything through their own lens, they are always right. And how badly that affects other people. Not only could they be wrong, and oftentimes they're wrong in some ways, but it doesn't allow other people to really be loved by them, to really be understood by them because they're always right. They're always pushing other people away by their pride. And you know how you notice it? It's not always just with their words. It's just how they handle themselves. They give disdainful glances. They're always looking around and they're thinking to themselves as they judge people, man, I'm so glad I'm not like them. So glad I would never make that decision. I'm so glad I wouldn't handle money that way. I'm so glad I wouldn't pursue God that way. I'm so glad that I would never do that thing. If you walk around looking down on people, not being able to empathize with them and love them and care about them, you may think you're so good and pure, but God looks at you like a joke. One of the greatest stories, I think, in the Gospels is the time where Jesus tells the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And at the beginning of the story, it starts out like this. Jesus was speaking to those who were high and mighty in their own eyes and always looking down on other people. That's how this starts off. Then he tells the story of a Pharisee. A Pharisee, many of us know, were the religious of the religious. They looked like me. They knew all the Bible verses. They knew all the prayers. They gave. And this guy, this Pharisee, is looking around at other people saying, I'm so glad I'm not like them because, look, I give every week. I go to church every week. I know all the prayers. I am so good. And then there's this other person, tax collector. Tax collector was known as one of the worst peoples in the culture. They ripped people off. But finally, this tax collector comes to his senses and realizes he's been living up here the whole time. And he wanted to humble himself. And finally, he looks down to the ground. He can't even look up. He can't even look at God because of his own sin. And he beats his chest and he goes, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, that guy? He is the one who's humble, and I'm going to exalt him. But the other guy who thinks he's all big and bad, I'm going to humble him. There's many of us in this room that look down on other people, but let me tell you, so does God look down on you. If you call yourself a Christ follower, and you're looking down on other people, 
How dare us? Because Jesus says, you're the one that is far from God, not this other person who knows they are. And they know they are far from God, so they reach out to me, and I can be their Savior. You can't see yourself rightly. You can't see God rightly. You can't see other people rightly. And that's why Tim Keller, he puts it this way. Pride makes sympathy nearly impossible. Pride keeps us from really noticing people, from putting themselves in other people's shoes, from recognizing when they are hurting or unhappy. It keeps us absorbed with our own agenda and needs. Who of us in here has pride? Don't let it be your pitfall. If you're still thinking, well... I'm not as bad as you're thinking, Eric. Everyone else is. You still don't get it. Here's just a few ways that you may struggle with it. Let's be practical. I have very strong opinions about a lot of very, or a lot of things. Like I, have, I know I'm right on a lot of things. I get defensive if corrected or challenged. I can be critical or argumentative. I talk a lot, but I rarely listen. I feel a sense of entitlement. I deserve that. I struggle with people in authority over me. I can easily get frustrated with others. I can be overly concerned about appearance and personal reputation. I have control issues. And finally, I don't think I have a problem with pride. <laughs> if you don't think you have a problem with pride, go back to verse, or the list one and go back through it. Pride. Always is found in someone else. It's never found in us. But let me tell you, if you don't discover it and allow God to root it out, holy smokes, you are setting yourself up for a fall that's really hard to come back from. The only antidote to pride, the only antidote to pride is humility. So you can't, we either can let pride be your pitfall or you would let humility help you. That's the only option. It's pride or humility. And if you take this path of humility, which C.S. Lewis is saying, it's not thinking less of ourselves, but it's thinking of ourselves less. When we care more about God and other people than us, when we're willing to take the low position in our lives to serve God and other people, when you let humility do that, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you're truly ready to live a life that you've ever wanted. I love what Proverbs says about humility. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Wisdom can only come from God. Seeing the things that are gray through the eyes of God's lens, to be able to go through life morally and intelligently, seeing exactly where you're supposed to go, that can only come from a dependence on God, which is humility. We read in Proverbs 13, 10, it's pride that leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. I remember a time in my career where I was so against the elders of our church about a decision, and they're my bosses, and I was fighting them and fighting them and fighting them. And then one time, I ended up calling my, uh, my mentor, who I told the story, and I'm ready for him to join my fight. And he just listened, and he just said a few words. He said, you are wrong. You're wrong. I said, well, what do I do now? Because <laughs> now I see that I'm wrong. <laughs> and he goes, go low. Go low. Go humble yourself. Go own it. Go apologize. People that have humility will apologize all the time because they realize they mess up all the time. How many times in our lives where we fight something, we fight something, we fight something, and then we realize we were wrong. Imagine if you just went to wisdom, went to somebody else and asked their opinion first. You would have a lot of fights that wouldn't turn into fights. Humility does that. 
Or pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. If you're up here, you will end up down here. But if you're down here in humility, you will end up up here. And you know how I know that? I want you to think of someone in your life that you respect, that you honor, that is a top position in your life. I can promise you they have that top position in your life, not because they're rich, not because they're successful, not because they're handsome or beautiful, not because of the car they drive. They are tops in your life because they love God and they love people more than they love themselves. Because God honors that kind of life. You wanna know why? Because that's who Jesus is. We'll end with this. About Jesus our Savior in Philippians 2, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. And if you keep reading, he came here, but then God elevated him to here. The people of honor in your life are the people that look and act like Jesus. If you want people to respect you, if you want to live a life of purpose, get off your high horse. You're not God, and if you're trying to be, you're doing a really poor job of it. Don't allow him to knock you down. Knock yourself down so that other people, including God, can bring you up to where you're supposed to be. Do not let pride be your pitfall. Let's pray together. Lord, so easy for us to elevate ourselves. We do it in so many areas of our lives. I pray for those who have a pride issue in this room. So that means I pray for all of us. That we would stop trying to put ourselves in a position where we look down on people, but we put ourselves in a position where we look up at people to serve them. We would be like Jesus who washed people's feet, who died on a cross, who was born in a manger, who, who was humble in nature. God, make us more like him so that other people will honor us and most importantly, so will you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name.